0: Welcome, welcome to season two of One Step, a podcast all about the small steps in life's journey to healing. We'll be exploring life's deepest questions and most challenging moments while also celebrating the small victories. Because change doesn't happen overnight, it happens one step at a time. I'm your host, Ingrid Nilsson, and for a long time, I thought female friendships were a placeholder relationship until romance came along, and now I see them as totally equal to and just as important as my romantic relationship. Today, I'm talking to Kayleen Schaefer, the author of my favorite book in 2019, Text Me When You Get Home. So my friend Michelle actually gave me this book and it feels very fitting because it's about female friendship and that's what we're talking about today. I really love this book because Kayleen rejects commonly believed stereotypes like women are just biologically wired to be mean to each other and she also explores the evolution of female friendships in her own life as well as in the media. For me, this book was extremely comforting, validating, and it has given me language for feelings that I have felt for as long as I can remember. And the topic of friendship has actually been highly requested by many of you, both online and in our podcast club meetings. So One Step friends, I think you're really going to love today's guest. Here she is, Kayleen Schaefer. Hi, Kayleen. Hi. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you. I know that you already know this, but your book has meant so much to me, and my friend Michelle gave me this actual copy that I have in front of me, and I'm planning to pass it on to one of my girlfriends, and I'm just so excited to talk to you today about friendship.
1: No, I love that. When I first saw your video and saw that your friend gave it to you, like that was my dream When I very first conceived of this book, that women would give it to each other. And true, like nothing makes me happier than this book being a way to say,
0: this is a book form of what our friendship means. What made you want to write about female friendship specifically?
1: I was thinking of my own personal shift, honestly, first, so I have to say it was selfish. And I didn't see anything out there that really validated the way that I felt about my friendships. I knew that obviously, you know, I had my own friends and, and I was watching other women and their friendships. And I knew that we considered these relationships as essential as any that you have with your family, with your kids, you know, with your work, like they're on the same level. But I didn't see anything that had put that into words. In a Serious way. You know, there, there was lots of stuff about women clinking wine glasses and linking arms as they walked down the street. And all of that stuff is wonderful, but it's more serious than that, I thought. And I wanted to put something like that out there. And then I think at the same time, um, a lot of pop culture was going that way. You know, there were movies like Bridesmaid, like Pritch Perfect, Broad City. That was all in the air on television and in film, too. So that also helped me be like, okay, this is my own life, but this is also very much happening in the stories women are consuming.
0: What were your friendships like when you were younger? And what was kind of the first step in the shift that happened for you? Because you do mention there mm-hmm. is a shift. I grew up in Texas. And
1: in the town I grew up in, I mean, I had friends female friends. I had a group of female friends. But there was an element of competitiveness there. Uh, The idea that, you know, you were competing for the same guy, the same grades, you know, you wanted to look pretty. So, you know, who looked better? And when you took a picture all as a group, that was always there in my female friendships in high school. And, you know, the term mean girl was very pervasive at the time. And I really thought it was real. Like, I just thought, like, mm, you know, girls are mean. And even as I was writing this book, and still it'll come up in conversation, and people are like, well, they are. Girls are mean. Like, that's just a fact. And it's it's not a fact at all. It's a complete stereotype. It's socialization. It's how some women are raised to believe they have to interact with each other, which is really unfortunate because it's just a giant stereotype. But I, I, I thought that that was the way it was. I entered my 20s. That way, too. Um, I worked at a men's magazine and it was sort of like, well, you are not like the majority of people at this magazine. For you to align yourself with other women will only make your femaleness stand out more. And I really resisted that, which is such a shame. And I think about it now, obviously. So, yeah, you know, I spent the bulk of my teens and early 20s having female friends but never really like getting down into
0: the friendship you know they were they're pretty surface where does that come from that idea that girls are just inherently wired to be mean to each other because I feel like after reading your book, my perspective definitely shifted. And when I started talking to other people about it, they were resistant Mm -hmm. to it. They were Mm -hmm. like, no, but that's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. So it definitely is really pervasive. Where has that started?
1: Technically, it started with some studies. Like it actually started in academia. And they studied um, young girls and saw that, well, men, young boys, sorry, not men, uh, are straight up aggressive, like they'll slam their buddy's head in the locker, you know, or fist fight. Women don't do that. And their forms of regression, it's called relational aggression, which is more like, I'll give you the cold shoulder, or like, I won't invite you to my birthday party. Like, that's what women are socialized to do. We're not socialized to directly be like, I don't like you, or I don't feel you right now, or you've upset me. We're socialized to go out with the guy that our friend likes, and that's our way of telling her, like, you've disappointed me, you've hurt me. It's socialization, in part, but I also think that it's just a big part of the patriarchy. For women to band together is not great for men if they're scared of what happens when a bunch of women come together. It's not not in their interest to tell women like, oh, she can't possibly be your real friend. She's going to drop you. She doesn't really like you. Oh, you're prettier than her. You know, it, These messages serve their purpose as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. When did you notice you know, a shift happening in the way that you were approaching just relationships with other women. It seems like it was pretty embedded into your 20s and even when you started working too.
1: There was like a very, very defining incident, but I will say it probably started a little bit before because as I got older, I had so many friends that I really looked up to and I was like, oh, these women are boss, you know, they are killing it in their careers. They're just doing so much every day. And I'm so impressed by them. And I love talking to them. And I find them so inspirational and funny. And just like, I just want to be around them. So there was that. But because of the way I grew up, um, also, you know, I was always taught to look toward men. You know, men were our teachers. You were supposed to find your husband. You were supposed to point your life toward finding this one guy or any men as an expert. You know, your boss would be a man, for example. And then uh, my long-term boyfriend proposed and I was like, I'm not ready. And I really loved him. And it wasn't, it, it it was just not right. It just was not the right time for me And so I said, you know, not yet. I'm not ready. And that really reshaped the whole, like, look to men. A man will be your confidant. A man will be your protector. A man will, like, be your partner in this life. And it opened up the idea that, like, well, no, you know, you can have a huge network of support. It doesn't have to be. Just men. I started to seek out my female friends more seriously than I had, you know, we'd gone to dinner, drinks, whatever, but you know, someone would cancel or you they'd want to stay home or hang out with a guy, or it was just it felt very um temporary. And now it was more like I wanted to tell them how important they were to me and how much they meant to me and how seriously I was taking this relationship. And what I put out there when I started to amp this up, I got back. Like, it was really cool. Like, it wasn't like people weren't like, oh, Kayleen, I don't know, friendship, like, you were asking too much. <laughs> like, it was very much like, well, thank you for reaching out, or thank you for asking me to do this, or I love you too. Like, it was incredible.
0: That is really incredible. Mm-hmm. And I think it is scary when you're going through just a shift in your behavior yeah. like that, and just for you, a huge shift in your life, um, you're afraid of how people are going to respond, but mm-hmm. I feel like when you reach out to people with love they often respond back in the same way Mm -hmm. and I've felt the same thing with my friendships I remember I was also just really afraid to more deeply communicate with other women but as I started doing it in smaller steps I realized oh my gosh they are giving it back to Mm -hmm. me they want it too Mm -hmm. yeah it was like we were all starved for this like affection that only women can give each other what do you think that affection looks like if you had to paint a picture and describe it I thought about this a lot and I
1: still am not entirely sure I have a great answer because, you know, people will be like, well, what's different when it's all women together versus, you know, men and women can be friends and I'm not trying to knock that. And I know that. But when I'm in a room with the group of my female friends, it's like we have the same lived experience So it's just like this empathy and this understanding is just there. And it's almost just like we're like a little high on that. Like we're like floating on the fact it's like you feel this way too. And there's just unconditional support too. During that time, you know, I was worried that a lot of my friends would say like, what are you doing? Like, why aren't you going to get married? Like, do you know what you're doing? Are you sure? And not one of them said anything like that. They were just like, I trust you. You'll figure this out. You're going to do the right thing. Do what is comfortable for you. And I think that that is there when women are together and in women's friendships. I don't know about a painting. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I love art. But I do think that literally every woman knows what I'm talking about when I try to explain that vibe.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah. I know what that feeling is. The floating feeling yeah. and also having you know the shared experiences and it is different when you're in a room of all women versus like mostly women and then a guy walks in it's true it's, it's just like com- re- record scratch <laughs> yeah it's like <laughs> completely changes the energy uh-huh. and I've been in rooms like that and it also feels different when the man leaves the room uh-huh. too absolutely absolutely So I really loved it when you talked about, you know, working and meeting women at work. And, you know, when you first entered the workplace, you wanted to be the cool girl. Mm -hmm. What was the cool girl to you?
1: Well, since I was at a men's magazine, the cool girl was someone who didn't flinch when we talked about stories about sex. Like, I remember one in particular. The writer was like, let's do a story about how a lot of men have affairs when their wife is pregnant with their first child. Yeah. <laughs> and- <laughs> You know, like, maybe that's a story, but, like, is that something I really needed to be like, yeah, good story, great idea, like, very supportive of, (laughs) and I'm sure that 20-something Kayleen was just like, oh, gosh, great good story yes let's explore that guys really do deserve to have that first affair (laughs) like what but I was I was just trying to be like yeah I'm on board with all of this you guys drive the conversation I am here I'm not embarrassed I'm not blushing I interviewed my old editor-in-chief for the book and he was like yeah you know you didn't flinch like you were there for this in a way that a lot of women wouldn't be and now I know why those women wouldn't have been there for this yeah (laughs) you know
0: (laughs) Did it take a lot of energy? Like, was it exhausting to be playing that role?
1: Yeah, I was constantly like, do I speak now? Do I laugh right now? Is everyone else laughing?
0: What did it feel like when that started to shift? Even in writing this book, writers, um, at least
1: I was, I thought I had to write a serious guy book, like a book men would want to read. I just thought that coming up as a young writer that, like, I didn't want to write anything too girly, which is so stupid. But that is what I thought. And then I wrote this book, which is for women exclusively. a guy can read it if he wants, but I don't care if he does. And it just felt so nice to acknowledge all of this after trying to pretend that it wasn't a part of me.
0: Yeah, and you chose a title that is so specific Mm -hmm. to women, too. Why did you choose the name Text Me When You Get Home? Truthfully, it was my editor's title, so I always
1: love to give her credit because... The title is just so perfect. I initially wanted to call it BFF, which is fine, but, like, it's not. There's no emotion behind it. And so we were toggling between the two titles. Only only I was. My editor was like, it's going to be called Text Me When You Get Home. But I was like, (laughs) no. And so I was asking people as I was doing my initial research, you know, we have these two titles. What do you think? And one of my friends was like, Text Me When You Get Home is emotional, And when she said that, I finally understood exactly, like unpacking the title, because my concern was like, oh, I just don't want it to be like, just only about safety, but it's not. Like, it's saying to your friend, I'm here for you. Whether you're in front of me, whether you're in your car, whether you're on the train, whether you walked into your empty apartment and were like, oh, it's lonely in here. Like, text me, I'm here, I will always be here. And when you realize that that's really what we were saying, and really only women say this to each other,
0: it meant so much. Totally. And I feel like my friend Michelle and I, Uh every time we see each other when we are like getting on the subway, Uh we always look back at each other and we say, text me when you get home. And now it has another meaning, too, because we have this shared experience Mm -hmm. of reading this book. So it's really cool that now there's another element there. That's really cool. Yeah. I mean, everyone, when I asked, they were like, oh, I say
1: that. Yeah, I say that. Absolutely. I say that. I mean, across the board.
0: Yeah. So when you were... You know, working, I remember reading in the book the story about meeting Ruthie. Mm -hmm. How did that change your life? Because you and Ruthie now are really good friends. It changed my life in a
1: huge way. In fact, I was a little reluctant to – Ruthie was always going to be part of the book, but I was a little reluctant to share too much of the story because it was sort of like, "But this is my story. This is my friendship, and I, and I don't want that to be uh, like exploited or commercialized." You know, it's it's for us. Um, But, you know, of course, Ruthie read everything, was fine with everything and, like, understood my concerns, but also was like, I'm fine with it. Because I was very nervous when I asked her, like, I think you need to be a bigger part of this book. And she was like, there's nothing I'm prouder of than being your soulmate and best friend. And I was like, oh, thank you. (laughs) like That means so much. Um, But, yeah, so she sat across from me at work. And she's just really funny. And she started to notice things about me, and I started to notice things about her, and I just really liked hurt like it was just like this instant like i want to know more about this person i want to hang out with this person like she told this story about how she and her boyfriend at the time were trying to find a couple's costume for halloween and she he wanted to be like bonnie and clyde and she was like absolutely not (laughs) (laughs) but like they finally hit on curious george and the man in the yellow hat and like so ruthie is as this monkey and like she's showing me pictures of herself as this monkey (laughs) And it was just all so funny, and I was just so amused by the whole thing, and it was just like, I really want to know this person better. And so, you know, at the beginning, it's just more like, oh, hey, you know, did you get your eyebrows done? And it was like, thank you for noticing, you know? <laughs> that or always like, feels so good when so somebody good. notices something
0: small. Yes,
1: and of course she noticed, you know? Or like, we went to go get nail art together, um, or we just go for like a drink after work. And so you start with these small, like, interactions, and then it just became like such an important part part of my life. Um, and we, I happened to move to the same neighborhood a few months after we started becoming friends and like, she introduced me to the neighborhood. You know, she took me around to her favorite places and your friendship just deepens from there. Like I went to Philly where she's from for Thanksgiving and it was just like, I'm letting you in my life in a big way. This is important to me.
0: I love that. Yeah. I also love, you know, how you just shared about the process of writing this book. I think a lot of people just with the internet are thinking about what it is they want to share online and what they want to keep private. Mm -hmm. How do you navigate that? And how did you navigate this with the book? Because there are stories from other people in there. There's some research in there. But there's also your story in here. How do you find that balance?
1: At first, there was less of my story in the book. And my editor, again, pushing me, said, we need more of you in this book. And at first, I thought, well, I thought also like, oh, I don't know about sharing all of that. But I also thought like, but I'm just ordinary like I'm so average you know there's nothing I would never pitch a a straight up memoir but I think that my experience is not unlike a lot of other women's and I could use what I had gone through and what I thought to help other women feel seen to which since the book has come out a lot of women have told me that which is so wonderful because they said I felt this way or I was thinking this or I was going through this but no one identified it. And so, I mean, look, I'm really lucky that I get to write about these things and if I can use my experience in a way that someone else can I can like relate their own, like I definitely want to do that. I don't want to be shy about that.
0: Yeah, and I feel like those were really The stories that you shared were the anchoring parts of the book. Like it was really cool to read about different studies and, you know, read about culture and what was happening in the media. But I feel like the book is really anchored by this, your personal stories about your friendships, the changes that you went through. And those were the parts where I was like, oh my gosh, this is how I feel, which is why I love this book so much. That's really nice to hear because that that was the whole point is
1: was giving the book a spine of my story. Yeah.
0: And it's it's so scary, though, to put (laughs) like yourself Mm -hmm. into something. I know what that feels like. And I feel like it's this delicate dance of what kind of uncomfortable am I okay with? And then what uncomfortable is like too far? Mm hmm.
1: And when it affects other people, too. You know, a number exactly. of my friends are in this book, and I wanted to be really careful that I was respecting them because, obviously, like, I am in control of this process. They aren't. Mm-hmm. And so I'm talking about them and writing about them how I perceive it, but, you know, they may be like, that's not right.
0: Yeah, I know. It's so interesting how, you know, we have a story in our heads, but someone else's perspective could be totally different around the same shared experience, too. Mm -hmm. So I need to talk about this in the book because (laughs) I've mentioned this so many times to people. We're really going off on a tangent here. It's about rats, (laughs) but it's in the book. (laughs) The rat study that you mention in the book, can you talk about that for people who haven't read Mm -hmm. the book? When you stress rats, they're supposed to
1: freeze. That's their response to stress. It's fight or flight. They're supposed to freeze and then, you know, choose. Do I flee the scene or do I get in there and scrap? Two women were studying this and trying to get the rats to respond like they were supposed to. And the men, the male rats were, but the female rats... Weren't. Instead, they were all on a pile, like licking each other and like having a little party. Like they called it like the sorority party, I believe. And they were like, what's going on? Like, why aren't the female rats reacting the same way to stress as the male rats are? And they continued to study it and they developed this theory, which they called tend and befriend, which is when women are under stress instead of just freezing and deciding whether to fight or flight, they reach out to each other and they want to take care of other people, and they want to help each other. It's interesting. It's biological. I hesitate to say it's everything, but it is very interesting that this is innate in women, according to this study.
0: Yeah, I found that so interesting. As I've been describing it to people, I was like, well, you know, the rats were like, if we're going out, we're going to be clean, we're going to look good, and we're going to be together. And I feel like that's how I feel as a woman. But... You know, I've also really experienced the impact of this firsthand in my life. I feel like this study put words to how stress feels for me and how I navigate it. And now I'm much more intentional if I'm feeling stressed, even if it's like a really crazy week, like, Just a couple days ago, I was waiting on a super crowded subway platform. This week is, like, very busy, and I'm feeling a little bit stressed. Mm -hmm. And so I texted my friend and was like, do you want to get dinner on Mm -hmm. Friday? Are you around? Because I knew that that would be something that would give me something to look forward to at the end of Mm -hmm. the week and would also alleviate that, like, heaviness that I might be feeling during the week but knowing that there's something behind that scientifically mm-hmm. is just so fascinating yeah
1: that's what makes me feel that the study is valid too is just my own behavior as well because I'm exactly the same I would never just want to be alone
0: when I'm super stressed like I will
1: text I will call you like I want to see you it's- yeah
0: and I feel like that Especially as I've gotten older, I've realized that about myself because when I was younger, I wouldn't reach out Mm. to people. I would be afraid or I felt like they didn't want me around or I wasn't good enough for them. Um, I also felt like in a lot of ways, I wasn't in a place to be a good friend to other people. And so it felt really isolating. Mm-hmm. But now so much has changed for me. And I just cannot deal with the <laughs> idea of like going through a hard time and being alone. Like it is the last thing that I want. Yeah. Like I will literally do anything with anybody else. So I don't have to be alone.
1: And it really helps, honestly, like the more honest I about what I'm going through, the good and the bad, you hear other people being honest about what they're going through, the good and the bad, and it helps you be like, oh, okay, this person is going through this, or this person's life looks like this, but I thought it looked like this. And I think it just really helps create a more complete picture of what reality is. Totally,
0: yeah, I always feel more grounded Mm -hmm. after I have these conversations where maybe I come in spiraling or maybe me and all my friends are spiraling about something and then we end up leaving just feeling more centered. So another thing that came up for me while I was reading the book interestingly was thinking about my mom. Oh yeah. A lot. Yeah. Um and you mention your mom in the book too and it just got me thinking about what it was like for my mom when she was growing up and what friendships were like. How have Friendships, female friendships changed, you know, between our mom's generation and our generation. So I interviewed my mom for the book and it was very frustrating because I kept being like, but
1: mom, didn't you have any friends? Like, weren't friendships important to you? I I almost was going in with the preconceived idea that she would have had friendships like I was having And she kept saying, like, I had, you know, your dad and you and your brother, and that is where my loyalties were and my work. And that's all that I felt like I should be focused on. Friendships were this luxury, this side thing. And that answer to me was so – I just – I kept being like, but – but weren't you lonely? And she said, I really didn't think about it. Like, that's just what I was taught to do and that's what I was doing. And I think that that is common. I don't think that that's across the board because there are lots of women who their mom would disappear for four hours on the phone, you know, or their mom would have friends over. It just wasn't my experience. That's not what I watched my mom do when I was growing up. She really felt like her most important relationships were with her immediate family. And I think that that's changing part because we do find romantic partners later it wouldn't make any sense for it to be like oh, okay now I'm done with this support network that has taken me so far you know it just why would we do that yeah. I wouldn't do that and so I think that that is part of the shift and why our mom's friendships may be different than ours did your mom have good friends like what kind of friendship behavior did
0: you see it was a bit of a mix for my mom like I think there was the element for her that was similar to your mom's where she was very much focused on the family unit Mm -hmm. she was also the main breadwinner in our Mm -hmm. household so it was like very much about okay I have to keep everyone afloat. I'm the provider here. But I did notice that there were times where like she would have part of a day on a weekend where she would just go (laughs) off with a friend and I had no idea what they were doing. Um, And then other times like we would go over to one of her friend's houses for dinner and she and her friends would be like in a corner talking. And I just... At the time, I didn't really know what was happening, but now I see that as, oh, this was her time Mm -hmm. to socialize with her friends. I don't think she got to see them as much as she maybe would have liked to, but I definitely saw a little bit of both growing Mm -hmm. up. And now what's interesting is that my dad died when I was a teenager, and since he has died, it has been remarkable at how relentless people are with asking my mom Mm -hmm. and even me about her dating life Mm -hmm. like are do you want to date have you ever thought about getting remarried and it's like well of course she has of course (laughs) she's like thought about these things but she clearly doesn't want to and she's expressed this to me she's at a point now where she's like I'm so annoyed when people ask Uh me because her response is you know I've had a satisfying and fulfilling romantic relationship, and now her focus is her creative work, so she's doing a lot of painting now, mm-hmm. and her female friendships, and she's fully dedicated to her female friendships and making plans with them and seeing them regularly, but that's not good enough for people. That's not a good enough mm-hmm. answer, and it makes me wonder, like, why do we put our romantic relationships on this pedestal and our female <laughs> friendships aren't good enough like people are basically telling my mom oh well it's good that you have friends but don't you want Mm -hmm. that thing that's like the next level up Mm -hmm. that is the
1: reason I wrote this book is because of that disparity there that real women aren't feeling and it's it's very hard to constantly be told that's nice you have all these friends but don't you really want a romantic partner like don't you want that relationship that society is like check it's interesting because a lot of um, women that I spoke to who were single said, you know, their other friends who maybe were married or partnered would be like, you know, how it go with this guy or like, oh, you hooked up with this guy at my wedding. What happened? But they would never be like, what's going on with your best friend or someone they would talk about all the time and they knew that relationship was important to them. I do think that's changing and maybe just because I wrote a book about Ruthie, but like I get people all the time asking me, yeah, how's Ruthie? What's going on with Ruthie? Say hi to Ruthie. And I just love that. I love that relationship being as sanctioned as, oh, are you dating or how'd that second date go? It should be a relationship we talk about as much and are as interested in.
0: Yeah, I agree. And romantic relationships and business relationships and even when it comes to parenting, there are official partnerships that you Mm -hmm. enter into where it involves like signing paperwork sometimes and there's a formality to it, but there's nothing that exists for friendship. Mm -hmm. So if you were to like imagine (laughs) what that would look like, what would you create in like your world? It's hard to say because
1: I have obviously been thinking about this, and obviously friendship is a very important relationship that is not bound by blood, it's not bound by law, it's not bound by money. You have nothing there but the love you feel for your friend and the fact that you both want to continue being friends, and sometimes that doesn't last, sometimes it lasts forever, and I don't know that I would want to put something on it that would make it more restrictive because I do also think a wonderful thing is that you could have a lot of amazing friends and I think we should count on so many people in this life and so I think the wider people's support networks are the better but I do think that you should be able to have a friend be your beneficiary on your 401k. Your friend should be able to visit you in the hospital your friend should be your emergency contact at the gynecologist or whatever doctor. I do think that we should formalize it in that way and that should be more common. Like, if that's your person, that's your person. And even with the titles like person, that was a way uh, that started on Grace Anatomy of formalizing this, saying you're more than a friend because a friend just didn't carry so much weight. And so I love the women who are coming up with their own names for their friends or their own way to say, like, this is really serious to me. Respect that, even though I don't know that there's gonna be anything more we can do than that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I feel like it was a big deal for me when I started noticing that I was putting friends down as my emergency mm-hmm. contact mm-hmm. and not my mom. Yeah, anymore. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, whoa, this is this is a big deal. And then I also remember as I was like putting together my will plan in case something were to happen to me. Everyone that I was listing, because they have you go through just like <laughs> worst case scenarios, uh-huh. and then they're like, and if that person dies, <laughs> then what? And then if that person that you also love dies, then what? And it's literally like a list of five or six people that you have to imagine dying. Right, by um, the end you're in shambles. <laughs> I know. I was like, this is horrible. Um, and I'm also running out of people here. But what was so interesting to me is that I was just Just immediately listing friends Mm -hmm. like those were the people that were coming up for me and those were the people that I thought, you know, if I'm not going to be in this life anymore and I'm going to have like physical possessions left behind and money left behind. And I can have a say in what happens to that stuff Mm -hmm. before I'm gone. I'm going to use this to give some of it to my friends. Those are the people you want to take care of. Yeah. Yeah. It just felt like such a big deal to do that Mm -hmm. and to also step into that. And I think because at least I have felt obligation towards family and Mm -hmm. things like that and just realizing maybe there's one family member, my mom, but everyone else I I want it to be one of my friends yeah I mean I fully fully believe
1: that family is what you make it you create your own family you don't have to abide by what society says your family is it's what you feel is your family
0: yeah I was just talking about this yesterday you know there's like my family of origin Mm -hmm. And I am really not in contact with anyone in my family of origin, um, except my mom. But I feel so supported and so loved because of the family that I have created as an adult, Mm -hmm. which feels even more satisfying than the family of origin that I had, which I just feel like was not really happy mm-hmm. most of the time That's
1: really interesting. I just just went apple picking with some friends and uh, I was doing Instagram the whole day cuz it was just so beautiful and it's fun to, you know, do that picture of like picking the apple. And I we took a big group photo at the end and I wrote above it like family. And I, there was a minute where I was like, can I do this even with my background and believing what I believe just like using that little family tag. It gave me pause for a second, but then I was like, you don't know, no. This is my family. I am so proud to know these people and be supported by these people.
0: I have just been talking to people who are my age, and I know that people have left comments on my videos. I specifically made a video about making friends Mm -hmm. as an adult, and so many people had questions. Mm -hmm. I made this video because people were asking about it, but then even after posting the video, people were like, still more (laughs) have more questions and I totally get that because I've moved here to New York a little over a year ago I've been thrown into the pool of like making new friends as an adult Mm -hmm. your book is about friendship what is something that someone could do today like what's a step that they could take today to put them on the path of making a new friend I feel like that's everybody's question. Like, where do even start? I get I that start? question
1: so much, which I absolutely understand because it's sort of a mystery. But the answer is so straightforward, which is a friendship is made by repeated interactions with a person. So that's what you have to do. You know, that's why we make friends in school. That's why we make friends at our first jobs. So if you're not tethered to any of those things, then, you know, maybe it's someone you see in yoga or... You see every day at the coffee shop, or is in your co working space, or you know, is your neighbor. And you just have to try to interact with them if you want to. In a way that, like, you know, you you have to take your shot because sometimes women will be like, oh, no, I have enough friends or I can't meet you for coffee or I'm really busy or whatever it is. But when you do get that woman, well, you may meet her at a party and it's like you want to hang out sometime. It feels so good when she's like, yes, of course, I would love to. And there's like there's almost nothing like the feeling of making a new friend and having that reach out go well but it's scary to make that reach out and it's sometimes it's not going to work
0: totally okay. like i just feel butterflies Mm -hmm. like before I feel butterflies like if they've said yes Mm -hmm. and then I'm like oh no and now I have to (laughs) actually follow through now I'm meeting this person (laughs) yeah what's so interesting though is you say it's about having those like repeated shared experiences I remember seeing I'm a member of the wing Mm -hmm. they had kind of like a meet new friends matchup event where basically you could send in your information like you'd fill out a survey and then they would match you oh with someone else who is a member Uh and you had to commit to like a certain amount of like meetings with them in a certain amount of time Mm -hmm. and now I know why yeah that's it that's (laughs) that's really the base of friendship you're beginning to trust each other yeah like that's how it works yeah and I feel like I've started to learn that too. And with making new friends, I've realized okay, the first time I see someone, like I don't have to dive deep into (laughs) my life story. This can slowly unfold. Uh I don't have to put the pressure on myself to like immediately just like spill it out Mm -hmm. on the table. And there is something special about having that patience and also building up those shared experiences. Especially now as I'm looking at the friendships that I've made here in New York. I'm like, oh, yeah, we've known each other for a year now. That's really cool. And we've done so many things together. But remembering the first time that we met up and I was like, oh, my God, I'm so nervous. I'm scared.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I feel that way, too. It is like a first date because you want them to like you so much. You want to put your best self out there and You know, obviously, as you get to know each other, that loosens up. But, like, it is, like, I want her to like me. I hope
0: she likes me. Totally. What I do love about making new friends, I was actually reading this book. It's called Am I There Yet? And Mm -hmm. it's, like, a graphic Um, memoir on one of the pages she is um, displaying what it's like to make a new female friend Mm -hmm. and how it's different from dating and basically it's you don't have to be afraid of just expressing how much you like the other Mm -hmm. person Really quickly, Mm -hmm. you have permission to do that. And I sent it to my friend, Michelle, and I was like, this is us. This (laughs) is totally us because it's just like these images of women texting each other like, oh, my God, I had so much fun. I love you. And I love that that is a part of making new friends. I do, too.
1: The instant connection, which you're absolutely right. You don't have to second guess because you can just ask.
0: Yeah. (laughs) You can just talk about it. What's a part of female friendships that no one really talks about?
1: the thing that we don't talk about that i wish there was better language for is when you break up it's mm. hard because with friendships you can just drift apart if if you know one person doesn't want to be friends anymore if your life changes in a way that doesn't make the friendship possible you don't ever have to address it like in a romantic relationship you can't just <laughs> Drift apart and never talk about it. You have to actually have that conversation. I mean, usually you can ghost, but, you know, in a real relationship, you have to talk about it. You have to end the relationship, and you don't have to with friendships. But it leaves both parties just feeling like, what happened? What did I do? Was this the wrong thing? I miss her. There's a lot of complicated feelings. And, you know, sometimes you can become friends again, obviously, or sometimes you'll see each other on the street and wave and be like, Oh, we had this friendship and it's over now and that's fine. But I do think that while it's happening, I wish we could talk about it better.
0: I do too. That's something that I've thought about too. Yeah. And I feel like I've reflected on a lot of friendships that have ended and I still think about them. Yeah. That like drifting that mm-hmm. just kind of happens and, you know, maybe you do see them and it's not quite the same anymore. And like I will still dream sometimes (laughs) about old friends that I've had. And I've noticed, especially if I'm like going through something, like I will have dreams about friends that I'm no longer in touch with. interesting. It's hard. That pain is still very much there. It's so real. And, you know, it's
1: also, you know, we don't have the words to talk about it, even with our other friends. You know, when you break up in a romantic relationship, you're supposed to cry. You're supposed to eat ice cream. You're supposed to go out on a million other dates. But when you break up with a friend, everyone's just like, oh, it's just a friend. You'll get over it. And it hurts. Yeah. It hurts a lot. It does. And so I also think we should be able to talk about it better uh, amongst not not just that friend. Like, you should support your other friends if they're having that with a friend. How have you navigated friend breakups? This was a very hard part of the book for me to write because if my whole message is, you know, female friendships are stronger than ever. You know, we're supporting each other. But the fact is... Friendships do end. Friendships do change. They do morph into less intense versions of what they once were. And so I think I do like to try to be honest, at least if it's just like, I'm really fried right now. I can't see you. I'm so sorry. I feel awful that I can't see you. Or like, I want to try to address head on what's happening in my life for the reason that I am no longer as available for this friendship
0: as I once was but I feel awful about it yeah I've had to do things like that too and it feels terrible when I'm just like composing the message or getting ready to like tell the person it feels so hard and painful to do it and I feel like especially as our lives change too and everybody's lives are changing. People move, people get new jobs, people enter relationships, relationships are ending. You may like want to still be friends with this person, but maybe life circumstances are pulling you in another direction. Mm -hmm. How have you navigated big life changes with friends?
1: It's hard and it's scary because you can see it happening and you know it's happening
0: and you're like, but I don't
1: want this to change. I want this to stay the same. But it's not. Nothing stays the same. You know, you also want your friends to evolve and change. <laughs> yeah. So I do think you have to acknowledge it. Like, I had a moment with Ruthie recently, and we were both like, I don't want this to change. And we know it's going to change, but we don't want it to change. And it's like, I feel like that acknowledgement is so important. Just the fact that, like, this is happening. This is going to be different. We'll figure it out. Yeah. And I also, you know, friends that are in different life stages than me, I love seeing them Change into that new version of themselves, and and learning from them, and finding inspiration in what they're doing. That maybe I one day hope to do. Maybe I don't ever want to do it, but I still think it's cool she's doing it. So yeah, it's hard. You can't keep it the same, which yeah. sucks. But I think as long as you're honest with each other and acknowledge the change that's happening, I think you can work through it.
0: Yeah, I have had similar conversations with my friends. One of my friends in particular, Carrie. She's getting married and we talked about I was like I'm scared because you're getting
1: (laughs) married (laughs) basically very selfishly.
0: What does this mean for me? (laughs) So real and
1: she's thinking about it too. Yeah. She's absolutely thinking about it. Yeah and she
0: was and it was a conversation of you know expressing our love for each other and like acknowledging that this change is going to happen and that we also both want to be a part of each other's lives Mm -hmm. and we want to be there and we can't really figure it out until it just starts unfolding more so what is the next step for you with your friendships like is there something that you are currently working through right now either short term or long term I mean, I am working through these life changes, obviously,
1: like the friends that I have had that I write about in the book. You know, I make new friends, but I do have this core of friends and we're changing. Our lives are changing and we're figuring it out. And how do we still come together and how do we support each other through big things that are happening? It's an effort, right? You know, you have to schedule this stuff or you have to reach out with a text or like send something and just really, really show how important this relationship still is to you.
0: Yeah, I've been doing that since moving to New York and two of my best friends live in L.A. still. I was like, I never saw myself as a writing cards person, (laughs) but here I am just writing cards just because Mm -hmm. and sending them things in the mail, sending them messages when something reminds me of them, but doing those things to have those touchstones with them to Mm -hmm. let them know You are important to me. I'm thinking about you. I love you. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So speaking of a change, my friend Michelle actually texted me this the other day. She saw that text me when you get home is potentially being turned into a TV show. Cross your fingers. Yes. So it has been
1: optioned by ABC um, and Julie Bowen, the actor, is one of the producers. And there is a script being written right now. That's so, so we'll see. Oh That's where we're at. You guys now know absolutely as much as I do.
0: Oh, my gosh. But it
1: will be called text me when you go home. Oh,
0: it has to be. I mean, obviously. It has to be. Oh, my gosh. When she texted me that, I was like, oh, my God. This is like
1: synchronicity
0: or something.
1: It would just put this message on a larger platform. It would be incredible.
0: Totally. Well, I'm a cheerleader over <laughs> here. You. I Thank am you. crossing my fingers and everything for this. <laughs> So I like ending the podcast episodes with the guest sharing some small victories from the week. Okay. Is there one or two things that, have felt like a small victory to you? I have worn eyeliner all three
1: days this week. (laughs) I mean, it's been a busy week for me, too. And so just the fact that I have managed to, like, and I love wearing eyeliner, but many days, I'm like, well, I just cannot mess with this today. And so that feels like a very small victory. And and I've also, you know, in the midst of what, for me, too, has been a busy week, you know, a group of my girlfriends were going to meet on Sunday in the afternoon, and I'm like fully excited about planning that and have managed to like schedule that too and so that feels important
0: too that like okay but I'm also doing this I love that you mentioned eyeliner because I also <laughs> feel very accomplished on days when I wear eyeliner because I don't wear it most days but when I do I'm like and I am a full person today <laughs> now I'm polished yeah uh, I'm really sophisticated mm-hmm. today well thank you so much for being here well, thank this you is for wonderful. having me it was really great talking with you I am just so happy. Kayleen, thank you so much again for being my first guest of season two. It feels like such an honor. And thank you so much to everyone who is out there listening. On the next episode, I'm going to be reflecting on my own thoughts on friendship, how to make friends as an adult, and how to navigate friendship breakups. As you can probably tell, I have a lot of opinions about this. I also wanna let you know that our podcast posting schedule is changing. So instead of one episode per week, we are moving to two episodes in a week. So what's going to happen is at the beginning of a week, you will get the interview episode with whoever the guest is. And then later in the week, you will get the reflection episode. So you won't have to wait a full week between interview and reflection. I think that is just going to be a better flow for us. I think it'll be a better flow for you guys. And it means more episodes for all of you. And that means I get to talk to more cool people. So I feel like it's a win-win for everyone. We have also heard your feedback that listener voicemails were a bit hard to hear last season. So this season, I'd love if you could send your feedback by emailing a voice note to podcast at gmail.com. All you have to do is record a voice note on your phone and then send it as an attachment. And if you don't want to send us a voice note, you can also email us with any comments or questions or whatever you want to say. Email is totally open as well because I think we'll start working in a space to read emails from listeners in case you don't feel comfortable sending in a voice note. But I will say we do love the voice notes. There's something just so special about hearing your voices in our ears. It is just the best feeling. Also, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. You can find One Step on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you didn't know already, we have an Instagram. It's One Step Podcast, so make sure you follow it to stay up to date And also, if you're interested in the podcast club meetings that we've been having here in New York City, that's where we do all of the announcements for it. So if you're interested, make sure you're following. Pro tip from people who have attended the meetings, they put their notifications on for any posts that come from the podcast account. So they know immediately when we are having a podcast club meeting. So just putting that out there. As always, thank you to our producer, Christina Cleveland, our sound engineer and editor, Tung Chen, and our wonderful studio, the YouTube Space in New York City. Take care and talk soon.